good morning. It is good to be here. Um, my name is Lizzie. I'm sorry if I sound a bit squeaky at any point during this. I've got the, I've got that lovely October cold that seems to pass through every year. I used to blame it on freshers' flu, but I don't really hang out with any freshers anymore. So, <laughs> evidently, it wasn't that. It's just this time of year. Um, a uh, little bit about me, uh, just to introduce myself. I'm going to tell you about my job, because that's what we all do to introduce ourselves. Um, I am involved in running a theology course uh, called King's School of Theology. Um, yes, Alan is a student on it. There are a number of you here at the moment who are currently on that course. There's about 60 students enrolled at the moment. Um, and it's a part-time course for people who want to go deeper in theology. And uh, my week gets taken up uh, involved in running that and thinking about how Salt and Light, the network of churches that this church is part of, can uh, keep training people in theology and how we might keep doing that better and better and see more and more people uh, trained and equipped for the life that God is calling them to, uh, whatever that may be. So that's what I occupy myself with during the week. Um, I say it's good to be here. It is good to be here. Um, I'm getting married next Easter, which is great. Thanks. Um, and my, I'm marrying someone who lives in uh, London, and my time is increasingly divided between Oxford and London. So it is good to be in Oxford this weekend and um, to be here with you. Um, this morning, we're thinking about thorough teaching and foundations. Um, we're in a series looking at some of the features of the early church and how those features might apply to us and outwork in our church life. Um, and th- today we're thinking about teaching and, and this area of foundations. And there's a reason why I haven't put a picture of building foundations up to start, uh, but I've put a picture of roots and the reason for that is that these roots can grow. Building foundations stay the same. Um, once you've put them in, they are permanent, they're set forever. But these roots can be nourished and they can go on getting deeper and stronger. And that's a bit of a hint about some of the things we're going to look at this morning. Um, I, I have to say that the irony of um, preaching about preaching isn't lost to me. Um, I'm Talk about preaching to the converted. I mean, come on, I'm preaching about preaching to the people who turned out to hear preaching. Um, yeah, uh, great start. Um, so <laughs> I do hope that there's something for all of us in this. And I just want to kind of dig a bit deeper in this, area, in this kind of theme of teaching. And um, I do think that there's a godly challenge for us this morning to engage with that demands to be thought about. Um, uh, we want to build this morning on uh, some of the prophetic words that were coming out last week. Um, for those of you who weren't here, there were some prophetic words that just uh, were striking chords particularly. And one of those was about mindsets and needing to unsubscribe 
to some things that we'd signed up to, maybe inadvertently, and the kind of junk mail that might be filling our thought life and the way that we think about stuff, and needing to just deal with some of those things. That was one of the prophetic words. Another one was about letting God into all of the rooms of our house. And today, I'm very deliberately building on those. I've been thinking about them this week and um, want to kind of just keep on expanding those themes. Um, I'm going to talk about learning. And I'm going to talk more about learning than I am about teaching. And that's deliberate because teaching is kind of, it's a bit passive for us to think about teaching. But learning is something that gets under our skin. So I'm going to talk more about learning because it's a journey for all of us to engage with in our Christian lives of choosing to sign up to learning. And I'm not going to really take us to a specific text. I'm going to put that in as a disclaimer first thing because some of you will be very alert to that and you'll think, oh dear, she hasn't really opened the Bible. But I have been thinking about uh, Scripture all week and, and this message is really soaked in in reading the New Testament, in seeing what went on um, at the time. And that's where we start, really. It's a, it's a, we start with the New Testament church, thinking about teaching in the early church. Um, I just want to take us there. Imagine being in the early church. Imagine being new to faith. So imagine with me that you live in downtown Athens in the first century. And um, you've been worshipping the gods of your parents and um, you've heard this new news. And contrary to the way that your faith has worked before, you're learning that you can't just add in this new faith about Jesus to all the others that you're already carrying. Because you're learning that this message about Jesus demands all of you. You have to put aside all of your old gods and you're expected to belong heart and soul and body to Jesus, your new master. That is something that's quite challenging to get your head round. Or imagine that you are a good Jew and you know your Torah, but you have become intrigued by this man, Jesus. And you've heard the story of him dying and being raised to life and ascending. And you hear that he was a miracle worker who set people free. And you realize that his new life gives you new life. That you can be born again, as they're calling it, through his spirit. And it, in this new faith, you want to worship him. But you also want to carry on with your faith. You're a good Jew. And you might be confused about how to fit these two together. When Gentiles, people who aren't Jewish, are joining the way as well. It's a bit confusing. And teachers in the way, that's what they called faith in the early days, the Christian faith, teach you about how to live together in this new family and this new body of believers, and they teach you how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament and how not all aspects of your faith are necessary anymore. 
Teaching then was vital to the survival of the church. And that's our starting point this morning. Why was teaching vital to the early church? Well, a few things. Firstly, it meant that everybody could be on the same page. That everybody could be informed. We see that in Paul's letters. Paul writing, explaining faith to people. These letters that got passed around communities. That they could all be setting these foundations of just being on the same page. Of understanding faith together. 1 and 2 Timothy are a great example of this. And if you want to think more about roots and foundations, I really recommend you read 1 and 2 Timothy. They will get you thinking about strong foundations. Why else was teaching vital to the church? Well, secondly, it guarded against um, suspicious interpretations of faith, shall we say. And uh, you see that in 1 Timothy as well. Um, Paul's dealing with some uh, suspicious interpretations of, of Jesus and of what it means to be a person of faith that are going on. And thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, teaching gave people a foundation for worship and life and mission and what it meant to be part of the way. It equipped them for their life, for the radically new life that they were signing up to. That they were taking on. And it wasn't just about um, teaching in the early church, it wasn't just about knowing more. We tend to have an understanding of knowledge, which, said, which says, like, it's good to know for its own sake. Um, it's just good to know. That's why you might study an art subject at university or something, because knowledge is just good for its own sake. And that's not necessarily wrong, but knowledge and teaching um, at, you know, in the early church was about life. And about living it well. And our teaching today, as part of Communities of Faith, is meant to make us stronger and more informed. But it's also about equipping us for the life that God is calling us to. And the life that we are signing up to. Like those early Christians were signing up to. This radical new life that demanded some thinking about and needed to be engaged with. It's kind of obvious, isn't it, that teaching was important to the early church. And it's kind of obvious to most of us today that teaching is pretty obvious. Um, Most of us will have got used to a diet of Sunday teaching. We know it's good for us. But so what? Why spend a Sunday morning thinking about learning Why spend a Sunday morning thinking about learning? Well, firstly, because learning can be hard. Sometimes learning is a joy. And sometimes learning is annoying. Because you realize that you have to change. Just like those people in the early church, we might realize as we learn in our faith that we can't just slot Christianity in alongside everything else. We have to deal with the fact that it involves, it takes command of our lives. Um, Shane Claiborne, in his book, Irresistible Revolution, talks about this. Um, I'm just going to read you what he says on this theme. He says, 
I know there are people out there who say, my life was such a mess. I was drinking, partying, sleeping around, and then I met Jesus, and my whole life came together. God bless those people. But me, he says, I had it together. I used to be cool. And then I met Jesus, and he wrecked my life. (laughs) The more I read the gospel, the more it messed me up, turning everything I believed in, valued, and hoped for upside down, and I'm still recovering from my conversion. And (laughs) I resonate with that. (laughs) I don't know about you. The more I understand the gospel, the more challenging it is. And sometimes, the more I have to work at accepting that challenge and change. And um, perhaps that is connected, dare I say it, to getting old as well. Um, I'm turning 30 in a few months' time. I know that's possibly hard to believe. I still get ID'd sometimes. Um, But, yeah, um, maybe it's connected. The the more I go on in life, the more sometimes I can be resistant to change. But um, (laughs) um, why are we thinking about learning? Because learning is hard. Because learning involves an act of the will. Um, And because learning is easily neglected. That's why we're thinking about it, because learning is easily neglected. What good does learning do us? Learning deals with our blind spots. I want to make a link here back to that prophetic word from last week about mindsets. And the things that we need to unsubscribe to. Most of us, where we are, where we've just got bad thought patterns, where we're believing lies, where we're subscribing to the wrong ways of thinking, most of that is done kind of inadvertently. It's not deliberate. It's a blind spot for us. And God really wants to change some of the ways in which we're seeing things. We need to let God illuminate the patterns of thinking that we're blind to. And we need to let him change the default setting and the thought patterns that we're stuck in. We need to be set free. And I really believe that teaching and learning is about engaging with our blind spots and letting God reveal a few hard truths to us. Secondly, what good does learning do us? Learning expands us. It's not a great picture to illustrate expanding us, but it is hilarious and memorable. Um, So I thought I would put it in. I'm not making a point here about pummeling people, by the way, that, that learning is supposed to expand us so that we're really tough and can squash other people. It's not like that. We're thinking about growing in terms of roots of trees growing, but um, I read a book this week by a lady called Margaret Cooling who said, listen up, this is challenging, church was never meant to be the equivalent of a hot bath. (sighs) Yes, switch off, 
just relax, don't need to think, don't need to do very much, just chill out. That's not church. Sorry. Church was never meant to be the equivalent of a hot bath. Christianity, Christian faith involves signing up to a lifetime of learning and growing and expanding in God. It's a place of challenge and change. 1 Timothy will show you that. It's a bit of a challenging read. And on this, can I just make a kind of sideline sort of impassioned plea to us all, which is that we don't try and survive on a weekly sermon alone. Um, try, we live in a resource-rich generation. There's loads out there that can help us grow in our faith. And trying to survive on a weekly sermon alone is a bit like, I think, eating Sunday dinner, eating your big roast meal, and hoping that that will see you through the rest of the week. If you were to eat your Sunday lunch and then not eat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're probably going to get pretty hungry pretty fast. Please don't try and live your Christian faith on a diet of one Sunday sermon a week. You need more food than that. And the question is, where are you going to get it from? I implore you. I don't mean join five churches so that you can go listen to five sermons a week. But use the rich resources that are available to us. They're amazing. It is amazing that we live in a country that is so free to practice Christian faith, where there is so much available to us to help us grow in our faith. So use books, use podcasts, use an audio Bible, use your missional community, use courses like KST, use mealtimes and drinks in the pub with friends to feed yourself, to see yourself fed and growing and expanding. I know what it feels like to be in that kind of rut where you're just surviving on a diet of cheap food. Cheap spiritual food, I mean, or just not having enough. I, I know what that's like. Those seasons where we're maybe not that interested or we're not Investing. I think I'm coming out of one of those seasons. I speak from first-hand experience. It's easy to fall into that kind of neglect. Um, but, but lean isn't healthy <laughs> in this case. Lean isn't healthy. So what good does learning do us? It deals with our blind spots. It expands us. And... It informs our worship. This is a more appropriate picture. Um, (laughs) um, It informs our worship. Learning informs our worship. Things often change when we realize something new. When we get a revelation of God. It's It's hard to kind of give examples of this. But I certainly know in my own life that that. There are several occasions where, um, where my fear has been dealt with by realizing something about God and seeing something about him and having a bit of a aha moment. 
and that's dealt with some fear in me that maybe I've been wrestling with or have been blind to before that. Getting a revelation of God deals with things in us and it informs our worship. It sets us free and it helps us to worship God more. Isn't that good? Do we want some of that? I just want to spend a few minutes then thinking about what might stop us from learning. Why might we not go there given all those good reasons that we've just been thinking about? What might be barriers to our learning? Well, there are a number of things. Um, Stress. Not having the brain space. Feeling overwhelmed. Um, I feel like I can probably say with confidence that quite a few of us know what that one's like. Just that feeling of kind of being overwhelmed, just thinking another time, I'll read my Bible another time, I'll engage with God another time. I just haven't got hang on the headspace right now. And stress eats at us and might prevent us from this journey of learning. Um, another one is that <clears throat> learning feels uncomfortable. Um, I recently read a book on this for some study I was doing for a master's degree. And it was a book called, it's a catchy title, um, What Prevents Christian Adults from Learning? Um, there is a book, yeah, there is a book on that because we don't always find ourselves to be the open vessels to God's word that we know we possibly should be, um, excited to discover new truths about him. Sometimes we just don't want to go there. Um, and um, this book explores some of that, uh, some of those reasons. And there is a term for this um, some, to describe some of what's going on in situations like that, and it's cognitive dissonance. Um, The psychologists amongst you will be familiar with this concept. Cognitive dissonance is to do with the shame, the guilt, the fatigue that can come with learning. The feelings that you get when you realize you were wrong. And the tactics that we might use to avoid being in that position. Learning is an exciting but a daunting process. And um, it involves having to deal with the fact that our old ideas might be wrong. Um, When you learn something new, it has to fit in to the ways that you already think and the constructs that you already have to make sense of the world. Um, And sometimes... New information, new revelation doesn't always fit neatly with what you already think. And that can make us feel a bit embarrassed. Um, It can make us feel insecure or guilty. That feeling of, oh, how did I ever think that? Oh, no. That kind of just... Like almost like a disgust about what we used to think and the kind of guilt that comes with that. And fear gets right on in there, in that sort of 
experience. We might experience fear about making mistakes. And um, just particularly want to lob this out to leaders amongst us because leaders can end up in this position where we're doing stuff in front of other people and we want to keep it together and we don't want to be seen to be making mistakes or be rejected. So we kind of get a bit set and we don't want to let any of the cracks show. So we might become a bit resistant to learning new ways of doing things because we might have to deal with other people seeing that we've changed our mind and things like that. Um, um, to, uh, I haven't got any kind of profound examples. I've got a perhaps more trivial example for us of this. Um, I don't know how many of you are golf golfing fans. Um, caught the news this week about the Ryder Cup last weekend. Um, if you weren't, if you hadn't seen it, um, it was very dramatic. Um, suddenly, half the population were interested in golf. Wow, some sort of miracle. Um, Europe made a dramatic comeback to win um, the Ryder Cup against the States, um, 14.5 to 13.5. As they went into the final day, the the USA team um, required only four and a half points uh, of the 12 that were on offer. I think that can't be that hard. Um, But the Europeans um, got eight and a half of them and secured victory. Um, And the reason I bring this up is because you might have seen the news stories, A, about the the coverage of the USA fans um, who were behaving not really like you might expect golf fans to behave. It was very sedate and, you know, clack, clack, clack. They were really going for it. And... um, uh, as one <laughs> as one commentator um, on the BBC News website put it this week, I thought this was quite amusing, um, the chants of the American fans sort of went from USA, 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 USA? <laughs> I thought that was quite good. Um, and there was this real turnaround in what was happening. And there are various stories around the internet that you can find of commentators getting it wrong. Because on the end of Saturday, it was all looking sewn up. And there were some, um, there were some publications of, by commentators who um, their write-ups got published before the final result which is a bit embarrassing for them because they talk of the woeful European side and all of this thing who struggled through and didn't stand a chance. And this went in the papers the next day and then they sort of had to eat their words. Um, It's a silly example, but you can imagine there's something in those sorts of experiences of the emotion of learning and realising that we need to change our ideas Learning affects us deeply because it means saying goodbye to some old ways of thinking about things. Changing your mindset. Changing the way you see things. Choosing a new way. And that involves a holy combo of our will and our choices and the Holy Spirit. And it's as those things interact, as the Holy Spirit leads and guides us, and we say yes to him taking us on, 
and yes to being willing to change our minds, that we go deeper and we, we, ha- we receive revelation and God shows us new things. Why focus on learning? Because of the good it does us and because we might want to avoid it sometimes. Um, these, I think, are important principles and they're foundational principles actually for a lifestyle where we're trying to live as the people of God in today's world where we're trying to live differently where we're trying we're wrestling with what it means to be God's people today and we're learning how to do that brilliantly we're still learning that these principles give us um, a foundation for that life call that is on us like the early church they had to wrestle with how to live as Jesus's people in the midst of their situation getting their roots down deep getting their foundations secure learning how to shine like stars in the universe as Paul puts it we too are aiming to that uh, in our society And so there are three things that I just want to bring home for us to think about. Um, We need need teaching that will help us deal with life. This is is general for all of us. Um, Tomorrow, this stuff is relevant for us. Whether Whether you struggle to get out of bed tomorrow morning, whether you are called to be patient with your screaming toddler, whether you are involved in landing business deals, dealing with your colleagues who aren't pulling their weight, having integrity with a boss who is pushy and uncaring. Whatever you face this week, this call to embrace teaching and to go deeper is for us because teaching equips us to deal with these sorts of situations and so questions for you where are you lacking in knowledge and wisdom and understanding and what can you do about that how can you keep helping yourself to be fed on a rich diet of teaching from God I think that somewhere in this building there will be some flyers for KST, King's School of Theology. Um, if, if signing up to do some more theology, to, to uh, wrestle with scripture, learn about doctrine, faith, how it outworks today is of interest to you, then get hold of that literature because the course is good. I recommend it. Um, secondly then, How might this land in our lives this week? The second thing is a call to not be afraid of learning. Don't be afraid of being wrong. When you're at work, when you're studying, when you're dealing with your kids, don't be afraid of the process of learning and seek out new knowledge. Seek out new wisdom. One of God's most well-used phrases in the Bible is do not fear. Throw yourself into thorough teaching. 
guard your roots. Make sure they're getting nourished and fed and help other people do the same. This isn't an individualistic pursuit for us. It's something that we do together. You can help other people and make, uh, to guard their roots and see their roots growing. So there's something here for us in just not being afraid of that process of growing and learning and being expanded and embracing the things that we don't understand and, and going there with a question that might feel a bit scary and things like that. And then thirdly, and perhaps more specifically, teaching is relevant to help us deal with poor mindsets. So this one, this one might affect quite a few of us, if we're really honest, but there might be a few people here this morning who are just aware, beginning to kind of see a blind spot, beginning to engage with it, um, where um, there's something of a mindset that we know we need to see changed. Uh, what are the thought processes that you need to unsubscribe to, the things that aren't helping you? How might a greater revelation of God help you with those things? We're going to get some time to pray together, um, but also I want you to think about it, like think about what what do you what can you do to help yourself whether that's talking to someone about it thinking about um there are a number of programs that this church runs that would be able to help you um to help you with mindsets that you know you want to walk out of not least one called celebrate recovery uh which would be a good place to start um, in terms of dealing with some of those things. There is something for us here, for all of us, of just letting the Holy Spirit in, letting the Holy Spirit into all the rooms of our house, that we could be people who are open to that journey of going deeper with him, of walking with him, and of having thorough teaching come and nourish our roots. So that's enough from me. Steve, I'm going to hand over to you.